Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. What's small, round, and blue? Uh, a nun that's been tossed down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how quick your brain went there. <laughs> a cranberry holding its breath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. The harvest is in. The flower beds have been cleaned up. Well, mostly. The compost pile has been turned, or will be someday. And the tomatoes are in the attic. Don't let me forget. It was a good year in the garden, huh, Christy? It sure was, Edith. To celebrate, we have a special Thanksgiving quilt episode for everybody. Stuffed with familiar Thanksgiving pod place and a new one about cranberries. And we stitched together some new and old stories about Thanksgiving from our listeners. As we honor Thanksgiving 2021, we know what is at the top of our gratitude list. All of you. Thanks so much for listening to Upside Down Tulips and our Thanksgiving special. Gobble, gobble. Upside Down Tulips Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody out there. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, I hope this finds you in a warm kitchen, you know, with good smells or maybe just in front of the TV watching football. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, we hope you are all having a wonderful Thanksgiving that that is filled with uh, friends and turkey and good food and your team wins. Yeah. Your team wins being number one, I think. (laughs) What do you normally do, Edith, for Thanksgiving? I don't have a normal Thanksgiving. But the one thing that I always do is I do watch football on Thanksgiving. Oh, that's good. A big tradition in my family, too. It's always the Detroit Lions would play. Or the Dallas Cowboys. And it was always great when the Minnesota Vikings played the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my gosh. That would be great. Wait, now, are, do you like the... Um, of course, you like the Vikings. You're from Minnesota. But what about the Detroit Lions? Did you like them? You know, because they were in our division, not a big fan of them. But I always uh-huh. feel sorry for them because they've been bad for so long. Me too. So I secretly root for them. So do I. Me you too. Know, I like an underdog. Me too. Uh, what are you doing this year for... Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not sure yet. You know, it's not going to be no big thing. That's for sure. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You got you, three football games to watch. I do have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be a nice day. It looks like. So I might even take a walk. Oh, well, that would be great. That would be wonderful. What are you doing? Well, normally uh, we would, you know, make the big meal and have lots of friends over because mm-hmm. our family is kind of all over the place. So we usually don't have the time to travel. And last year, I made the big meal, but just didn't have any friends over because of the pandemic. Oh, not because you didn't have friends, because you have a lot of friends. (laughs) Right. And this year, we're doing the exact same thing. I I ordered a huge turkey, a 16-pound turkey. Wow. (laughs) Well, mainly because, you know, the small turkeys are hard to find. Are they? Yeah, because people are having smaller Thanksgivings. Oh, that's interesting. I just figure it's more leftovers, right? Absolutely. And I'm going to make some, you know, ham- homemade cranberry sauce and make a bunch of pies. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, you know, Edith, I made that Thanksgiving turkey stuffing that you recommended from the reporter from the Denver Post. Jean Amel stuffing. Jean Amel stuffing, which is unique because it's made out of part pumpernickel bread. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I just pulled some out of the freezer the other day. You're kidding. I made so much of it. So I have to eat last year's stuffing before I can make... This year's stuffing. Oh, good. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, while I, while I stuff the bird, I am um, going to be listening to Alice's Restaurant mm-hmm. that I like to listen mm-hmm. to all 18 minutes and 20 seconds of it. I like to do that <laughs> while I'm stuffing the turkey. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, I name the turkey every year. 
after the biggest turkey of the year. Oh, good, yeah. So who knows? There's lots of potential this year. Mm-hmm. There could sure be are. a celebrity, could be some bipartisan fun, or could just be somebody who was just really made a name for themselves this year for just being a yeah. turkey. The the in the arena of annoyance, <laughs> as we say. <laughs> hey, you know what? Before we go any further, Edith, let's do our land acknowledgement. Okay. Edith and I want to acknowledge that we are on the traditional territories and ancestral homelands of the Cheyenne and Arapaho Nations. This area is also known as the site of trade, hunting, gathering, and healing for many other Native nations. We respect the many diverse Indigenous peoples still connected to this land on which we garden and podcast. Very good. Hey, Edith. Yes. What are some of your favorite Thanksgiving memories? Um, one, one of my favorite is the year that my daughter and I, my daughter Gretchen and I, worked at, uh, we volunteered at Rock Bottom Restaurant downtown. Uh-huh. They just opened up the restaurant to the homeless. Or anybody who just wanted a hot meal. Wanted or- a hot meal with other people. Mm. So that was, that was really a nice Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. What about you? Well... For me, it was always with my grandmothers. My grandmother had a wonderful Thanksgiving. She would take out the china. In fact, I still use some of her recipes. What's weird, though, is that, you know, we're one of those families that would eat like maybe around three-ish. Uh-huh. You know, some people eat later on. Some people eat more like lunch. We ate around three. Mm-hmm. And all I remember about those early Thanksgivings is that um, I don't think my mother fed us before Thanksgiving. <laughs> because I was... I. I was just so hungry. Oh, my gosh. What was, a great idea. <laughs> it was the kind of hunger, like, you know, when you're in college and you don't know what your ne- next meal is coming from. It was like uh-huh. one of those things where, you know, you're just you're so glad to have ramen noodles. Like, I would have eaten cardboard. I would be so hungry. So maybe that's why I like Thanksgiving so much, because I just remember, like, feeling this very basic need of food. With really good food. Yeah. <laughs> With really, really good food that you didn't have to cook. Yeah, that's great. That's very funny. Well, now, folks, we're going to repeat one of our pop plays from last year. And it's called Thanksgiving for One. And it's about uh, what happens when you don't have to have everybody over. Is that a sad thing? Is it a good thing? Maybe. It could be both. It could be both. But it's probably good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanksgiving for One. COVID-19 numbers are rising across the country. Hospitals are at the breaking point. The vaccine is not here yet. That means no family gatherings this Thanksgiving. It's a sad time. But for a small few, it just may be the best Thanksgiving ever! No long car rides in traffic. Are we there yet? No dealing with the airport. Attention passengers, all delayed flights will be delayed. No drunk Uncle Larry. When are you going to get a real job? Your delayed flight has been further delayed and moved to the other side of the airport. No trying to explain systemic racism to Grandma. Actually, Nana, when we say Black Lives Matter, it just means Black Lives Matter too. I still don't see why all lives shouldn't matter. Attention, passengers. Your delayed flight has been canceled. Check back with us every hour for the next two days. 
No cooking for five days only to have people complain about the food. Is this gluten-free? Do you only have four vegan options? Is there any sugar in this pie? And then you're stuck cleaning up while everyone is watching the game. Touchdown! It's a miracle! No stupid games. These cards are against my humanity. This year, you can sleep in. Stay in your pajamas all day and binge that one show. Eat whatever you want. Order in. If you want to make the traditional meal, you can go straight to the best part. Sandwiches. This is 2020. This is your Thanksgiving. The only Thanksgiving you can skip without being a jerk. 2021 is only 36 days away. And now, friends, what we have for you is a unique sort of mailbag. Ring, ring. Oh, who's there? <laughs> <laughs> These are letters from our listeners about some of their favorite Thanksgiving stories. We have some new ones, some old ones. Let's start off with a new one from Abby from Denver. All right, that's who's there. Abby from Denver. She says, My brother and sister and I were adults and had long left our parents' home. One Thanksgiving, all three of us were free to spend Thanksgiving with our mother. We were all very excited for our childhood Thanksgiving dinner, which was comfort food to the nth degree. Turkey, oyster stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, dinner rolls, butter, mom's famous cranberry salad, and delicious cookies and pumpkin pie with Cool Whip. Not whipped cream, but Cool Whip. That's what I know. Is it right? It really? Yeah. Grip oh, that's cool so whip, funny. Yeah. The blessed tea day feast was upon us. We gather in the dining room, me with my wine, my brother with his craft beer, and my sister with her vodka and whatever. <laughs> I like her sister already. <laughs> yeah, I like all of them. That's mm -hmm. the way to start Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mom starts to set out all the food on the counter in the kitchen buffet style. Okay, kids, we're ready to eat. We all head into the kitchen with Christmas morning-like excitement. We grab our plates and start loading up with deliciousness. But there's one crucial aspect missing. Mashed potatoes and gravy. My brother and sister and I look at each other and murmur about it a bit. This was a huge deal. Where is the staple, the centerpiece, the most comfortable of all Thanksgiving Day comfort foods? My sister and I urge my brother, who is the youngest and our mother's favorite child, to ask about the mashed potatoes. Hey, Mom, where are the mashed potatoes? He asked. Honey, I have never made mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving, Mom said. The three of us looked at each other in utter shock and replied in unison, Yes, you have every single year. Mom thought deeply about our response and replied, Really? Well, I could whip some up for you kids if you want. So that was the year without our beloved Thanksgiving Day mashed potatoes. And that was also the year we realized our beloved mom was getting older. Time marches on, as do we all. Oh, so true, Abby. How yeah. beautiful that Thanksgiving was. Huh? It, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that was a wonderful letter. Um, you know, that's the thing about Thanksgiving. It's not all turkey and stuffing. When the families get together, something... I mean, things just happen like that. Yeah, and and let's be honest, mashed potatoes are a really important part of Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> they are. A, oh my God, you're such a foodie. 
They're so important. Yeah, you're right. They are. Thank you, Abby. Up next is a letter from Joan from Arkansas, who happens to be my beloved mother-in-law. Oh, nice. And I should preface this by saying that she grew up in the woods of northern Minnesota, up there on the Iron Range. You say the Iron Range? Yes. It's where they would mine iron ore and taconite. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm looking forward to this letter. When I was a kid, we would celebrate the holiday, but not with turkey. The Hmm. early Thanksgiving years for me were the Depression years, and everyone was just trying to find food to put on the table, and usually not turkeys, I'm sure, unless they raised turkeys. Then, during the war years, with four uncles and an aunt in the army, there was rationing and things were still tight. We raised chickens, so we would usually have chickens, or perhaps venison if the deer were plentiful. Mother always made a good meal, though, with her homemade wheat bread and topped it off with pie. In years later, I can remember my Aunt Angie cooking a turkey for a whole bunch of relatives, and we'd all get together for that. Actually, the Thanksgiving I remember most, and you probably do too, she's talking to me there, Mm -hmm. was 1982 when the huge fire burned Donaldson's and the bank down on Thanksgiving night. My husband Dan and I had Thanksgiving with his parents in North Minneapolis. Their usual tradition when Dan was a kid was to go downtown and look at Christmas decorations. But that year, it was watching the fire instead. Wow. And I have to just add on to that that, you know, Joan is right. I do remember the Minneapolis Thanksgiving Day fire being from Minneapolis. This fire destroyed two huge buildings covering an entire block of downtown Minneapolis wow. in 1982. Um, the old Donaldson's department building and the headquarters of the Norwest National Bank, which is now Wells Fargo. Um, the flames were 80 to 100 feet high. They had an orange glow that could be seen from miles away. Wow. And we could see it from our house out in the suburbs of oh. Minneapolis. It took 150 firefighters 12 hours to get things under control. But so much of it could have been worse. Um, there was very little wind, and because of the holiday, there were no employees in the building. And so nobody was injured at all. Was nobody it started died. by somebody cooking a turkey? It was started by two boys who were 12 and 13. They crawled through a snow fence, broke down a plywood door, and started exploring in the recently um, abandoned Donaldson's building because they were building a new one across the street. And they were rummaging around. They came across some matches and a butane torch. Oh, no. And there it went. Um, The charges on them were later dropped. The damages to the building were estimated between 90 and $100 million, which was the same as the total of all fire damages in Minneapolis the previous 15 to 20 years. Oh, my. Wow. And in the Northwest building, Edith, one of the first planes flown by Charles Lindbergh was on display at the bank. And it and burned it, up. It was saved. It was saved? Yes. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So that was a Thanksgiving to remember. I'll say, wow. I'd like to mention, you know, Joan going all those Thanksgivings without a turkey and with rations and stuff. That's certainly a way to make you grateful later. That's true gratitude yes. when you go without. I think if you've never gone without... You will never experience gratitude like that. And she grew up in a house without electricity or indoor plumbing. Wow. So she's very grateful for that too, I'm sure. Wow. (laughs) I'm grateful for it. 
I know I am too. All right. Well, hey, how about next we go back to a pop play, Edith. Let's look at what happens at the National Plant Show, not to be confused with the National Dog Show. Okay. And we're back. If you're just joining us, Christy and Edith here at the National Plant Show, hosted by the Garden Club of Pueblo, Colorado. It just wouldn't be Thanksgiving without the National Plant Show. Now here comes the part plant lovers around the world wait for, the best in show. The judge has already examined the top winners in trees, flower, herbs, fruits, vegetables, house plants, and ornamental grasses. Now she's bringing forward the last group, the tomato group. This year's top tomato is the big boy, a beauty from New Jersey. This hybrid tomato comes from a long line of champions. Always a fan favorite, a big boy has won best in show over 20 times. Wow, the judge is really giving this big boy a thorough examination. And now the handler is taking the big boy once around the arena. Oh, I can almost smell it from here. So beautiful. Mmm, juicy, plump, so red. Look at that skin. (gasps) We are at a defining moment. The judge is taking one last close look at all the plants. She's going over to the table. She is signing the ledger. We have a winner. Here comes the cup. The judge points. It's the big boy tomato. No surprise at all. Well deserved. But wait, what is that running across the arena? Is it, could it be? Oh no. It's a squirrel. And he has run off with Big Boy. What a shame. The new winner is the ornamental grass, Big Blue Stem. Oh, I hate ornamental grasses. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the best in show tomato. <laughs> so kind of you. <laughs> I'll be back. I, I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger with a bushy tail. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> So we have kind of gathered some letters from our readers from last year about their funny or bittersweet uh, Thanksgivings, and we'd like to present them to you now. Our first comes from Sally from Denver, and you know what's cool about this? She has titled it, The Worst Thanksgiving Ever. Uh Uh-oh, I love it when it's titled. She says, A couple of years after I was married, I again hosted Thanksgiving dinner. I had never cooked for such a large group, so it was larger than usual. There were 12 of us, and they were all my husband Jim's family, except for one of my students, a blind woman. I was nervous cooking for so many people, but I thought the table full of food looked beautiful. We said grace, and then we started in on the what we are grateful for section. I was looking for sweet stories. But that headed out the window as Jim's father said, Well, it looks like she made enough gravy. Oh, my goodness. Then my brother-in-law offered, and she finally made two kinds of potatoes. My blind friend grabbed my hand and asked, What do I say? I whispered, Anything but make it nice. 
She said, Well, it all looks beautiful to me. Which was funny and nice, but made me cry and run from the room. Aww. The family members banged on the door and said, Oh, come on, we're fine, you're fine. No, I wasn't. A holiday without gifts and religion was reduced to lumpy gravy and too many potatoes. Thankfully, I learned to say no when asked to once again host the dinner the following year. Isn't that something? Oh, Sally. Sally, we feel for you, but um, how, how, how sweet of your blind friend to say that it looked beautiful to her. Yeah, <laughs> that's really <laughs> great. great. Okay, this is Pamela from Denver. Okay. There was a now ex-wife serving of stuffing that included the bagged giblets. Oh, I did that once. Or the brother who always walked in not hungry while carrying a McDonald's drink. Or the crabby hostess who began putting people's coats on the back <gasps> of their chairs as they ate the pumpkin pie. Oh, All true. Oh, God. You know, Christy, I have kind of, I have one Thanksgiving that, that I remember. And I think this is what stressed me out for the rest of my life. So this was, um, my husband and I had just... We had just gotten into the comedy scene here in Denver, and we knew a lot of guys that had nobody. So we said, why don't we invite them over to our house? <laughs> you know, Friendsgiving. Besi- yeah, Friendsgiving. Besides which, at the time, I was also pregnant. So um, I said, I, you know, I'm very stressed out about this. And he said, well, ask them to bring a side. Perfect. So we had three people. I thought, okay, I'm making bread, which is easy and I love to do, and I'll make the turkey. So they come, the guests come one by one, and um, Dave walks in, and he doesn't have anything in his hands. I'm like, Dave, where's the side? He's like, eh, I didn't feel like it. Oh, okay. I said, well, we, you know, we do have two other people, so that's okay. So then George comes, and his hands are empty. I go, George, where's the side? He's like, you know... As I was taking it in, in, in uh, as I was bringing it here, I put it on the roof of the car, and it smashed onto the road. I go, oh. okay, maybe Steve will bring something. So Steve shows up with a quart of iced tea, <laughs> which, <laughs> which he used as the glass for himself he didn't even share it oh my gosh that was his drink that was his drink so that particular thanksgiving we went straight to sandwiches as you say because we had no sides oh man yeah i love that uh hostess who puts people's coats on the back (gasps) of their chairs as they eat the pie oh that's just terrible oh my god that is terrible i've wanted to do that before (laughs) (laughs) yeah Okay, our third one. This is from Rick from Indiana. It's called A Warm and Dry Thanksgiving. My wife and I were married quite young. For our first Thanksgiving, we hosted her dad. Ahead of his arriving at our house, he sent us a smoked turkey. Neither I nor my wife had had smoked meats before, so we stuffed it and roasted it for hours. My father and I my father-in-law and I were watching football when my wife asked me to come into the kitchen. Does this look right to you, she asked, pointing at the turkey. Well, it looks different, I said, kind of (laughs) shriveled. It's okay. We can still make gravy. 
so we tried to make gravy from the rather puny amount of drippings. We had to add extra chicken broth to make enough. When we sat down to eat, my wife's dad asked how we warmed up the turkey. We told him we roasted it at 350 for hours. Oh. Ah, he said, well, it was smoked. <laughs> so really all you had to do was warm it up a bit. But that's all right. Let's dig in. Aww. The entire meal was pretty much like eating a salt lick. But I've always been thankful to my father-in-law for pretending it was delicious. Another side of the coin. Yes. Of people just appreciating gathering together, huh? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a sweet story. This is from Douglas from Tennessee. Our Alex Trebek. This is our Alex Trebek. That's right. When I was a kid, we routinely celebrated Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house with the extended family. Each year, one or another of us grandkids, usually multiples trading off, would wait until the entire family had sat down at the table and said grace, then stand up and stand behind Grandma's seat. This was because we all knew that she wouldn't eat anything if we didn't. If anyone said, are there any more mashed potatoes, or I think we're out of corn, or something similar, everyone knew Grandma would jump up and hurry to the kitchen and try to address the perceived shortage. The designated grandkid would put a hand on Grandma's shoulder as she attempted to get up and then would say, sit down, Grandma, I'll go get it. Of course, while one of us was in the kitchen taking care of the request, another would somehow surreptitiously get up and stand behind Grandma and wait till the first returned. Oh, oh, that is so sweet. Very sweet. I that love that. That is so sweet. And I've been there too. Yeah. There's a lot of people who mm -hmm. have a lot of things, huh? Yep. Yep. Well, the next one is from Judy from Boca Raton. She says, Thanksgiving is and always has been the most important holiday in my family. Until this year, it's considered mandatory no matter where any of us live. The menu is set and has been since the 50s. The rule is you can add, but not take away any of the menu items. No pressure, right? <laughs> it's the late 1960s and newly married and we're in Detroit. I was about to do my first Thanksgiving on my own. I got special dispensation to stay in Detroit and not travel home to the Chicago area because I had just had a miscarriage and my doctor said I shouldn't travel. So my mom sent me the menu and shopping list. Neighbors were assigned which wine and dessert they could bring but everything was on me. The grocery shop, okay, so the grocery shopping was done. I got out all the pots and pans. My table was set with my fine china. Let's do this. Dress the turkey, turn on the oven. Turn on the oven? I called my mom, nearly hysterical. I don't have the right oven. What do you mean? How can you not have the right oven? She asked. What do you see? I said, well, it says bake and broil, but it doesn't say roast. <laughs> but you know that's an easy thing it's, to misunderstand it is and of course it is i want to know is how many more menu items does this family have if you can't take away any but you can only oh, can add you, on oh can you imagine i've t i've taken away in my family a long time tradition was a fruit salad at Thanksgiving, oh. which sounds very healthy and everything. Uh -huh. And essentially what it is, it's whipped cream of with course. a can of fruit in it and a banana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at dinner. This is not dessert. Yeah. I dinner. took it off. And I think my sister Lori still is a little disappointed that I don't serve it anymore. Oh. 
Oh. Not the fruit salad. Okay. This is Karen from Denver, and she's going to talk about Spud's giving. Uh-huh. I had moved to New York City just four months prior to my first Thanksgiving here and was attending the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. My classmates and I were all young kids for the most part, far away from home, and couldn't go home for Thanksgiving, as we certainly didn't have the money or the time. So most of us as well, this was the first holiday away from our families. I decided I would host Thanksgiving and have all my new friends over to my very small apartment on 29th between 2nd and 3rd. I shared this apartment with a woman named Krista that I'm pretty sure ate toilet paper. <laughs> Truly. But that's a story for another time. I told my guests that I would supply all the staples and had everyone bring the dish that they were going to miss the most of their family gatherings. In Manhattan, grocery shopping is a bit of a challenge. I lugged the many bags of groceries, including a frozen 17-pound turkey a couple of days prior, up three flights to my apartment in my elevator bereft building. I wake up early that morning and the turkey is still sort of frozen. I've got to thaw this monster turkey as soon as possible. I had just turned 18. I had never lived alone. I would never made a large meal by myself. I would never dealt with a kitchen sink that looks like it belongs to one of those toddler-sized houses with a 17-pound, partially frozen behemoth jutting out of which I can only submerge about one-third of the thing in the cold water at a time. I call my mom. I probably called my mom, no joke, 15 times that day, easy. She guided me as best she could from 1,700 miles away. I'm cooking everything. Turkey, who by this time I'm just calling bitch. Stuffing, <laughs> cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, green beans, gravy, all in this ridiculous toddler kitchen that somehow seemed fine prior to this day. I'm literally putting dishes and pans around the apartment, on my bed, on my dresser, on the TV, everywhere. Everything gets done, even the turkey eventually. My friends start arriving, each with a dish in tow. Each dish, one after another, is a form of potato. <laughs> potato cornflake crunch, German potato salad, regular mashed potatoes, grandma's cheesy hash browns, twice-baked tater tots. I can't remember, but there might have even been an au gratin. There are approximately 16 of us in this Gramercy Park apartment, whose capacity limit, I'm certain, was three. We sat on the floor and everyone told us about the specific potato dish that they brought and why it meant something to them. It was beautiful and special, and thus a tradition was born. And that's the kind of tradition that I love. Me too. That's wonderful. Because there's stories behind all that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So Edith, I already said I'm going to make some homemade cranberry sauce. You did. Uh -huh. Now tell me, are you a homemade cranberry sauce person or are you a canned cranberry sauce person? Okay. Okay, so I like them both very much, but I really love the canned stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just really do. And can I insert something I'm grateful for here? You know, I had that horseradish plant that I gave you part of, and I tried to kill it. And I'm really glad I didn't kill it, because if I dug part of it up, and the best cranberry sauce I've ever had was made with horseradish, with grated horseradish. Oh, that sounds amazing. So I'm going to find that recipe, and I'm going to send it to you. Yes, because now I have a horseradish plant. Because now you have a horseradish plant. That has everything I like. Sweet. Sour. Uh-huh. Spicy. So, Does uh, it have booze in it? Then it'd be perfect. You yeah. can add your booze. <laughs> you can always add booze. That's kind of a motto, isn't it, for us? Yeah. So, folks, here is a brand new pot play about that age-old debate about canned or homemade cranberry sauce. Here we go. 
Happy Thanksgiving! Gobble, gobble. It sure smells good in here, Alexandria. That is so kind of you, Erin. Thanks so much for having me over. With all the craziness of the airlines these days, just couldn't risk flying home. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, the kids are downstairs playing video games. Some folks are watching the game. Grandma Georgina is taking a nap, and I am just finishing setting the table. Oh, let me help. Oh, you have already been such a big help by bringing the cranberry sauce. I can't believe I forgot it. You bet. My pleasure. Of all things to forget, it is just the family favorite. If there is not any cranberry sauce, well, consider Thanksgiving ruined. Well, I got it right here in this bag. I hope it wasn't any trouble and that you didn't have to go too far out of your way. Oh, not at all. I'm just so happy to be here. Wait, what is this? Why, it's cranberry sauce. This is not cranberry sauce. Sure it is. I made it myself from fresh cranberries. My secret is that I add a little orange zest. Where is the can? I'm sorry. I just assumed when you said you needed cranberry sauce, you meant homemade. Oh my gourd. I didn't know you were one of those. One of? Erin. This is a canned cranberry sauce family. We eat our cranberry sauce out of a can. Every year at Thanksgiving, we open up the can, it makes that strange air sucking noise, and we put it on the plate, careful not to disturb the ridges. Then after we say grace, we slice it up. I don't know what to say, Alexandria. I come from a long line of homemade cranberry sauce people. When you make it from scratch, you know exactly what you're eating and you can control the sugar. Plus, you can make so many unique touches to make it personal. I like to add some orange zest. Yes, you said orange zest. Thanksgiving is officially ruined. Get out of my house. Oh yeah? Well, I can't be friends with someone who doesn't appreciate homemade cranberry sauce. I spit on you and all that you are. Oh, for the love of William Shatner. Grandma Georgina? Give me that cranberry sauce. Just pour it into this tin can and presto changeo. Canned homemade cranberry sauce. Now can we stop all this silliness? Nobody really likes cranberry sauce anyway. Sure, folks will take an obligatory spoonful, but most of it will sit in the back of the fridge until July when somebody finally decides to throw it away. That's true. I just threw last year's away. I am so sorry, Erin. I'm so sorry too, Alexandria. To be honest, I hate cranberry sauce. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Grandma saves Thanksgiving. Again. Now will someone make me a drink? Here's a new Thanksgiving letter from Ursula. Hello, ladies. Your podcast is definitely something I'm thankful for. Here's my story from a Thanksgiving long past. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. No presents to buy, no religious minefields to navigate. It's all about the three F's, football, food, and family. But because family is involved, the holiday can either be fun or fraught. The Thanksgiving of 1979 was fraught. I had recently moved to the Washington, D.C. area to be close to my youngest sister, Noemi. For the first time in three years, I would be spending the holiday with somebody from my family. We were just about to sit down to the feast when my oldest sister, Esther, called from a hospital in New Jersey. Our great-aunt Edith, who we called Tante Edith, was dying. Growing up, she was the closest thing we had to a grandparent. Noemi and I looked across the turkey at one another. We had to go. My sister's boyfriend had a look of pure dread on his face. We'd be leaving him with Dennis, my boyfriend at the time. Dennis was that boyfriend. 
the one you brought home to meet your parents so that any subsequent suitors got a free pass. (laughs) (laughs) Did we all have one of those? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I grabbed a pie. We jumped into my Renault Le Car and headed up 95. For those of you unfamiliar with the Le Car, it had slightly more power than a John Deere riding mower and at 55 miles per hour whined like a deflating balloon. (laughs) The rest of the day is a blur. I remember the hospital room smelling of decay mixed with the smell of the pumpkin pie I still had in my hands like a security blanket. My sister Dagny drove in from Pennsylvania, leaving her husband to cook for perhaps the only time in his life and met us at the hospital. It was the first time in at least five years the four of us were all together in the same room. Maybe Tanta waited until all of us got there, but it wasn't long before she lapsed into unconsciousness. Tired, wired, sad, and hungry, we decided to take the subway into the city for something to eat. It was going to be a long night. For perhaps the only time in my life, I can't remember what I ate. None of us recall what restaurant it was. We do agree that we shared memories, good and bad, laughed, commiserated, and were really and truly thankful we had each other. Nice. That's a nice Thank you, Ursula. Thank you so much. We have such great listeners. Do you know it? Yes, and that's good, excellent writing. Like, I could feel like I was really there in the room, in the car. Yeah, the car. (laughs) (laughs) Let's repeat one of my favorite letters from last year, Edith. Oh, yeah, let's do. This is a very funny one. This is Anna from Denver. Several years ago on Thanksgiving, my mom pulled her favorite stuffing serving dish off the top of the kitchen cabinets only to find the leftovers from the prior year's Thanksgiving in it. <laughs> oh, no. Why would you put it up there? Oh, my God. It was Who absolutely disgusting, but we had a great laugh over it. Christy, that's the kind of housekeeper I am. You would put, oh, man. I would, I would, I don't, I know how it happens, but that's, that, that I could that's have done funny. that. Isn't that great? Well, and you know, the giblet story is also so common where people don't realize there's that little bag of uh-huh. giblets in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it kind of blends in with all the fatty stuff and all that stuff inside of the cavity. I like to use the giblet stuff and make treats for my cats. The giblets? I used to make gravy out of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's or the put th- it in the stuffing. Or put it in the stuffing. Thank you so much, everybody, for sending us your stories and trusting us with them. Christy, it's Thanksgiving, so why don't we have a little list of things that we're grateful for and tell each other? Okay. Okay. I'm grateful, Edith, for the Great British Baking Show. Oh, you love that show. And it makes me happy. That is so nice. Christy, I am grateful that there's no such thing as Thanksgiving music. (laughs) I am. Right about now, we're going to have Christmas music, and I'm going to loathe every note for until it's over Edith I'm grateful that my cats faithfully and consistently use the litter box oh my gosh I've had a cat before that didn't do that and it's something I never have to worry about and they're so good oh that's wonderful yeah I would be grateful for that too Christy I am grateful that there's going to be a while until the next elections I mean, if I have to hear the term ordinary Americans one more time. (laughs) Average Joe. Average Joe. Like, we're average, we're ordinary, and they're extraordinary. That's the feeling I get from that, you know? Yeah, I'm glad for everything just to be a little boring for a while. Yeah, just let it simmer down, everybody. Mm -hmm. Simmer down. 
Edith. Yes. For as long as I live, yes. I will always be grateful for January 18th, 2018. That's not when you were born. What is that? That's the Minneapolis miracle. Edith, <gasps> oh. it was the New Orleans Saints versus the, the Minnesota Vikings divisional round. The winner would go to determine who would be the champion of the NFC. The Vikings were winning 17-0 in the third quarter. With three minutes left in the game, the Saints took the lead. And a minute and 30 seconds left, the Vikings took the lead back. With 40 seconds left, the New Orleans Saints kicked a field goal. It was 24-23. There were 10 seconds left. It was third down. The Vikings on their own 39, and Stefan Diggs caught a 61-yard pass from Case Caden. Oh, Christy. I never jumped so high in my entire life. Oh, my gosh. You should be one of those football narrators. That was... That was fantastic. You gave me goosebumps. I, you know what? I watched it again today just to help me remember, and tears still welled oh. up in my eyes. Oh, that's so sweet. The sad part about it is that the Vikings got their butts kicked the next week by the Philadelphia Eagles, but oh. I don't care. Yeah, I still we don't have, care. I will always be grateful for January 18th, 2018. That's, that's wonderful. I love that, Christy. Okay, well, the final thing on my list, Christy, I, I'm grateful for bacon. <laughs> And I feel a little guilty about it because, you know, I like pigs and I, but I tell you, I don't eat a lot of bacon, but when I do, I am utterly grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And you know, by looking at you, one wouldn't think that you, you were a bacon eater. You look like a vegan to me. Oh, well, thank you, I think. But boy, do I like bacon, Christy. <laughs> I'm grateful for bacon also. <laughs> me too. In honor of Thanksgiving, we have a bounty of inspirations. Both Christy and I have one. Go ahead, Christy. This inspiration comes from the great Oscar Wilde. Ooh. After a good dinner, one can forgive anybody, even one's own relations. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> My inspiration is the following. Let us rise up and be thankful. For if we didn't learn a lot today, at least we learned a little. If we didn't learn a little, at least we didn't get sick. And if we got sick, at least we didn't die. <laughs> so, let us all be thankful. That's from the Buddha. Ah, uh, there we go. There we go. I was surprised when I saw that the Buddha said that because he's usually more, I don't know, he's not usually so simple. Yes, and to the point. And to the point. Yeah. Hey, well, I'm we thankful that you didn't die. I'm thankful you didn't die. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour Larson. If you got some laughs and some value out of this week's episode, could you do us a favor? You could hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. You want to hear more of her music? Go to denisegentilini.com or gee, we'll do, we do everything for you. You can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. And thank you to our kind and talented friend and actor, Karen Slack. And thank you to our excellent yet enigmatic engineer. And a special thanks to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. Yay! Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Join us next week for a new pod play for the garden party and an awesome repeat on gifts from the garden for everyone else. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. 
upside down.